Welcome to Movies Are Life. I'm your host, Nathan Chandler. Today I'm podcasting from a vacation cottage outside of London to cover number 16 on the 50 best rom-coms list, The Holiday. Funny enough, this cottage is owned by today's guest, and he is podcasting from my home. I want to welcome in first-time guest, Tyler Johnson. How's it going, Tyler? Nathan, it is so lovely to be here. I can't believe how amazing your home is. Do you have a water slide in your backyard? That's fantastic. Isn't it wonderful? Uh, I'm I'm glad you're good at accents because I'm horrible at them. So. <laughs> Listen, you brought me on. Yeah, I have to do Kate Winslet, uh, some form of justice. Like it's it's a it's a rule. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, it, it, you have you have acted for a really long time. Uh, my oldest daughter, she's been doing a lot of theater and stuff, and uh, she cringes anytime I attempt a London accent or any kind of accent at all. I should oh, say English accent, a British accent, not a London accent. They're deceptively tricky. Uh, <laughs> The trick really is to not care. Like if you're really trying to do a good British accent, it comes across very, very rough. Um, <laughs> uh, we actually have like, I know her pain because my dad, who's a, actually a pastor by vocation was one time roped into being in the Christmas pageant as a persecuted Anglican minister. Uh, and he had one line and, and they're like, just denounce your faith or something. And he just goes, I will not. <laughs> <laughs> like forever for, like it has been 30 years and we have not let him live that down that, that that's that's hilarious that's quite funny iris and amanda are in exactly the same place where do i want to go by myself depressed at christmas just six thousand miles apart home exchange we switch houses cars everything bingo i need you to answer this are there any men in your town <laughs> Perfect. Hi. Hello. I'm Miles. I'm Greg. Iris's brother. Do you want some company? Yeah, love some. Excuse me? Okay, sorry about that. Boob grace. <laughs> that was accidental. So Tyler and I went to Baylor, and I think I'm just a couple years older than you. Not that much. What year did you graduate? That's none of anybody's business. Thank you very much, Nathan. <laughs> okay. But, okay, okay. Yeah, so... Um, Oh yeah, so not not by not by too much, but the uh, holiday had not come out yet. (laughs) Yeah, well, Tyler graciously appeared in uh, a lot of little short films that uh, that I did with some friends, and he he definitely elevated the material. So I jokingly say that like that's not public anymore because I'm sure you may (laughs) not because of your acting ability, but because of the production quality of (laughs) such films. They were on my reel for a little while. For for a little bit. So, yeah, uh, tell everybody out there who isn't uh, familiar with the work uh, that you do, like your background. Your- uh, yeah, so I got my degree uh, in theater from Baylor University, uh, Sick and Bears, and then moved to New York to study at uh, the Upright Citizens Brigade. Um, I, uh, like, I was very quickly, uh, like, disabused of any idea that I was going to be, like, the biggest star because when I got to UCB, I was – I was there at the same time as Ben Schwartz, Bobby Moynihan, Donald Glover, uh, and all these guys were a couple years ahead of me. And so, like, I like I don't know them personally, but I've been in rooms with them consistently for a year, year and a half, and uh, that was a very uh, uh, educational time to be just like, oh yeah, it's a different game out here in New York from Waco, Texas. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, but then, uh, after that I moved to Los Angeles and I was there for about 13 years. And, uh, just last year, uh, most recent thing I did was, um, uh, if you are a college football fan, you saw me in a Dos Equis commercial picking up a, a case of beer off of a welcome mat that says better luck next year. And then I improvised my very famous line. That's poison Ivy. And that's, that's what you guys would know me the best from. I'm, I've worked so hard. I worked so long for that one line. And that is the actor's plight. <laughs> well, and uh, they, you obviously knocked it out of the park because they decided to air it again the following year after that. So they, they, well, you know, they got it for free because that was the last non-union thing I did. So <laughs> like, yeah, here, peanuts, eat those. And don't, don't worry about trying to start a family or have a house ever. So, <laughs> well, uh, well, I, I'm, 
completely gracious for your time here, especially uh, because you have a newborn. So I, I know, you know, just the fact that you squeezed this into your personal life, uh, uh, I very much appreciate it. Listen, the, when I saw the holiday on the list, I, I actually felt compelled to say yes. Like, I absolutely have to talk about this movie with somebody who isn't my wife because this is our yearly since we since we started dating and since we've been married it's our yearly christmas movie oh okay yeah I, th- that was one of the questions uh, i was gonna ask uh because uh it kind of sort of has for us too it is something that you know even though it's not uh the most i mean it's set around the holidays but it's not necessarily they don't drive the christmas thing home a whole lot but it's the it's the shane black kind of vibe it's like it's there as a vehicle to make you feel like something could anything could happen at christmas (laughs) right yeah (laughs) um well uh so just to jump in a little bit uh, about the holiday, it came out in 2006, a romantic comedy film written, produced, and directed by Nancy Myers. Uh, even if you don't know who Nancy Myers is, chances are you've probably seen one of her films because she's done, she directed Private Benjamin, Baby Boom, Father of the Bride, Father of the Bride Part Two, The Parent Trap, What Women Want, Something's Got to Give, It's Complicated, The Intern. So, uh, lots and lots of movies. Uh, this film stars Kate Winslet and Cameron Diaz as Iris and Amanda, two lovelorn women from opposite sides of the Atlantic Ocean, who arrange a home exchange to escape heartbreak during the Christmas and holiday season. Jude Law and Jack Black were cast as the film's leading men, Graham and Miles. The holiday grossed over $205 million worldwide against a budget of $85 million. Probably most of that went probably to the L.A. home. <laughs> <laughs> maybe even the cottage, but the the film received mixed reviews with critics praising its visual design and the cast performances, though regarded the plot as predictable. Now that last line was from Rick Wikipedia, but uh, <laughs> so you, you made a face. Uh, do you think the holiday is a predictable film? Of course it is. Like it is, it is as by the numbers as it gets. It's just that the, by the numbers drawing was created by Picasso. Like Nancy Myers invented the formula that she's doing here. And it's just like, I'm not going to be mad at her for playing the hits. Right, right, right. So you said this is a, a movie that you yearly watch. Uh, what is it about that you come back to this every year? Um, Gosh, that is such a good, like I, it is, I think it's the prototype. Uh, it's probably what everyone likes about Hallmark movies, really. Um, and every Hallmark movie like that happens today, like has been kind of watered down and watered down to this thing where, where it's just pure comfort, but they got that formula, this thing of that everyone thinks of as the rom-com from like the Nancy Myers. And I'm going to just kill myself for not knowing the, the name off the top of my head, Nora Ephron. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. So like Nancy Myers, Nora Ephron, like these two, like are like top of the game as far as like rom-coms go. And they basically invented this particular format and style of comedy and romantic comedy that no one can do as well because they didn't make it like they're just copying it. So like when I see something like the holiday done by a masterful writer director, I'm just like, yeah, of course I know where it's going, but you're giving it to me on such a beautiful plate. Like, I'm not going to turn my nose up at like comfort food. <laughs> right. No. Yeah. That's a good way. That's a good way to frame this movie. Uh, I think comfort food for sure, sh- for sure, because uh, it's, it's not a movie that you're going to have to think uh, too, too deeply about, um, but it's very character driven. And so I think all the, I think all the characters are, really likable even though we can talk about it a little bit more i'm not the biggest fan of cameron diaz but i think overall but you're shaking I can't your head. Really talk to you about cameron diaz in this movie i like i have very strong opinions about cameron diaz in this movie <laughs> go, go ahead i want to i want to hear them <laughs> okay um so i i'm not a huge fan of cameron diaz as an actor like if you watch her in gangs of new york for example it's painful it's it's uh it's an interesting choice that was made and gosh if i like i'm never gonna meet her she's like in the stratosphere so it's fine i can say what i want uh i'm punching up at this point right (laughs) Uh, but i think this is actually one of her best movies uh because you see her like her work as an actor 
like she is so trying and like flailing in the first part where she is supposed to be this woman who's trying and flailing. She's got it all put together. Like Cameron Diaz is at the top of her popularity. She's like, and like, you know, she can do like, she can do anything she wants. And yet there's probably something in her that's just like, I'm in a movie where Kate Winslet is also showing up and I'm going to be completely exposed. Um, maybe she never thought about that for a second. Who knows? But I'm watching it. I'm just like, you're going to get blown out of the water throughout this entire movie. And the first half of it is exactly that. Like she's, you know, she has this whole scene with Edward, Ed Burns, who is like, you know, he, well, we'll talk about Ed Burns in a second, but like it, she is just trying to keep her head above water. And I think her as an actress trying to keep her head above water kind of resonates with that character at the same time of just like, this woman clearly has everything and yet she is so flawed. And so it works perfectly for me. And then the second she sees Jude Law, she just melts. She drops into it and she is just having conversations with a guy she finds devastatingly attractive. And for the rest of the movie or every scene that she's in with him, she is an excellent scene. Like she's an excellent scene partner to watch. Like she's so cool and interesting because she is just playing a game with another person. And so for me, that just works so much well with her character in the movie, like going from this, like really high strung doesn't actually like have this, this thing together the way she like would like the world to perceive her as being. And then the second she meets this other character, all that goes away and she's like wondering why it's so easy all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, no, I like what you said. Probably where she starts to shine more is when she has Jude law to go (laughs) bounce ideas off. It's not just this movie. I'm starting to think other times where she is just alone. Like when the camera is just on her, uh, that's kind of when some of her uh, flaws might, (laughs) might come out a little bit. Uh, she's just pushing it all the time. Like, and you know, I, I can't really speak to other movies that she's been in. I like, I, I mean, obviously I've seen the mask and my best friend's wedding and Charlie's angels, but I mean, I kind of forget her performances. Like this is the only thing that I consistently get to study her work in. And like, that's what I see is just like, you know, I feel like she's really trying to live up to like the, the words on the page. Like she doesn't like, also she doesn't get the same material like Mm -hmm. that, that she's getting from Nancy Myers. Like these are like really good words, really great lines of dialogue. And I think that's one of the burdens of the movie is that it's, very well written and these lines of dialogue are the kinds of words that actors always want to say but unless you can say them naturally as if they're like just coming out of you then they sound rehearsed they sound forced and that's kind of i think the the hurdle she was like competing with for the first part of the movie but again i think it serves her character i think that that's kind of how she like works in the film for me I, I really enjoy this movie. It does seem really long for uh, the type of movie that this is. Um, I know how it bridges the gap between like all these actors, but do you think this movie is trying to do too much? Like, could this movie just be, uh, you know, Iris's story and then uh, Amanda's story? Um, that's a good question. You know, the thing that I think about this movie, the, one of the other reasons I keep coming back to it is I think it's such an amazing time capsule. Um, if it had come out two, three years later, it would not have had to do nearly as much of the heavy lifting to get the plot going. And you could have just cut to the chase, but there's like a whole setup of like, why would these people need to get away? Why would they need to get away quickly? Why would they need to like, like go end up in a stranger's house? And meanwhile, like right now I'm clicking on a link to go to an Airbnb, like in Laurel, Mississippi because I want to see it like that's that's the world we live in now, but that is not the world that was existed in 2006. And so I think it's kind of a prescient movie in a way, like, you know, people had started to do like really like interesting takes on, you know, home rentals and stuff. Airbnb didn't exist. That's actually the main thing that I love about this movie. First and foremost is that it is a time capsule of 2006. Google existed, but Airbnb didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, like we still had like desktop computers and blockbusters. There's an <laughs> entire scene in this movie, my favorite scene, 
where we are walking through a blockbuster video and Jack Black is just pulling physical media off of shelves and saying, look at this movie. Isn't this a good movie? And the soundtrack is incredible. And he just takes Kate Winslet on a tour of cinematic history. And it's just so sweet and nostalgic. It was already nostalgic at the time because no, there's not a single movie he picked up that wasn't already 15 years old. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and so like you're watching it now, you're just like the, like the mission, like I, what are you, what is, what is happening here? Okay, driving this Daisy, Hans, very unexpected. Do you remember how great it was? Is this a bad game? No, keep going. All those things come together. I think that that's where the movie suffered at the time, but it's also, I think it's strength now because I love watching the scene of them like trying to navigate like, is this a crazy person that I'm talking to on the internet? It's so, it's so, I like in hindsight, it's so much funnier than it actually is. Oh Uh, yeah. And at the time it probably seemed like a contrivance. Right. Yeah. We watched this, uh, this past Christmas, we watched it with Hallie, our oldest, who's 12. And we did have to pause, uh, at that, at that moment to be like, when this came out, this was like an unusual concept. <laughs> so, cause even she's realized that, you know, we've stayed in other people's you know homes, their Airbnb and stuff like that. So, you know, and then I think we probably actually paused that scene in blockbuster too <laughs> and said, no, this was a video store. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to put pose to you. Uh, do you think this is a romantic comedy? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, there's romance and there's, there's jokes. Um, and the, the drama is way too, like, first of all, well, we'll, again, we'll talk about Kate Winslet and, and Arthur. Uh, is it Eli Wiesel? Is that, how, is that the actor's name? Yeah. So it's spelled W-A-L-L-A-C-H. Wallach. Oh, Eli Wallach. There we go. Eli Wallach? Okay. Eli Wallach, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, yeah, well, I mean, that, that storyline is fantastic. It's another reason why I love the movie. But, I mean, her drama is no drama her drama is it's like the female version of like an incel it's it's kind of crazy that we root for her because you're just like stop it just stop it it's what you're doing and like what the way you're behaving is sad and pathetic which is obviously the point and we obviously feel for her but like if you had a friend who was like that in real life you're just like i can't hear you talk about this guy anymore i can't listen to it i can't do it and no, no, thank you. Um, but again, we like we we allow it and we root for it because great writing and Kate Winslet. <laughs> right. I lo- I just want to know. I love Kate Winslet. Like oh. anything that she does, you don't love she's Kate incredible. You don't love movies. You don't love like. There's something wrong with you at your core if you don't love Kate Winslet. I don't <laughs> understand you. <laughs> yeah, and I I think I I don't think we've ever talked. I mean. I, I know you act and obviously I love movies because of this podcast. I mean, are you, would you consider yourself a cinephile? Like, yeah, I, I like, it's weird. Like I, I, there's kind of a, like this strange dichotomy in actors of just like, there's, you know, there's theater nerds and there's film nerds. And like, there's, there's a great number of people who are just like theater is the real acting. And then there's others like, I want to be on the big screen and nothing else matters. I'm kind of in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm a, I'm a lapsed theater nerd. Um, but my entire life I've watched movies. So the, the cinephile in me kind of has won out. Yeah, gotcha. Well, I, I wonder, I think if, if you love movies, you love all the odes to movie making and, you know, obviously they talk a lot about the score and stuff. I was wondering, do you think this was the first movie to I, I mean they obviously didn't coin the term meet cute but was it the first time that this terminology was introduced to the movie going audience you know that's yeah that's such a good film like a film guy question to ask because of course people knew that term like it, it's kind of it's an inside baseball kind of term i I would be wrong. Like, I'm sure there's probably somebody who's listening to this and he's like, no, it actually happened in 1998. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like as far as I'm concerned, it's like from, from my, uh, from my experience, it's the first time I heard it. Uh, 
And the only time that's ever been mentioned again with any level of like aplomb was in uh, 22 Jump Street, where uh, where Channing Tatum and Wyatt Russell have a meat cute sandwich. <laughs> um, I mean, I, I just made me think about that because I feel like that's just people almost even expect that now, you know, when they watch romantic comedies. There's even uh, on, on Peacock, a movie with uh, Pete Davidson just came out and it's called meet cute and so um i just i i, I liked how this movie just um arthur kind of becomes our you know our teacher yeah, <laughs> I mean, this entire role is just like this is what the movies are this is like this is why i love it like it's you know the stuff you see on screen is the finished product but like isn't it interesting all the things that you learn on the, when you're on the other side of the curtain uh i love that it's really it's really i have to say like you mentioning that there's an entire movie about that concept makes me cringe though, because I'm just like, that's not what it's for. <laughs> yeah. It's a device. It's right. like, oh man, it's, it's like making a, it's like making a movie out of a blender. It's like, no, the blender makes the meal. Like you don't like, what are you doing? Yeah. Mm. Uh, what, uh, one of the reasons I, I, I like this movie also is, uh, I, I consider yourself uh, a nice guy. I, that's, a uh, moniker I've gotten like a lot in my life. It's like, Oh, Nathan's always so nice. This movie is a celebration of the nice guy. Like Jude Law's character, you know, it's like they're I mean, such nice boys. Jude, yeah, yeah. Jack, <laughs> Jack, Arthur. They're just <laughs> so nice. Yeah. So I, you know, other rom-coms kind of play with that, but I think they, this one really leans into this concept, you know, and even that, uh, like the G law character, like all the characters have some kind of baggage going on right. and how that, you know, how that brings them all together. But yeah. I, I will say, I, I do think, uh, is it a little, I, I can see the connection between, uh, Cameron Diaz and G law and their relationship, but do you think the jumping to the love is too fast? <laughs> Absolutely. She's catching miles on the rebound here. Like, <laughs> That that move like that, that I think that's the one thing where just like okay we had to tie up some loose ends she's only here for a week like there wasn't really like yeah there wasn't any like magic moment where like the light switch went off for those characters but again like and this is just me playing devil's advocate and defending this thing that I love uh, that's also kind of like what happens in life sometimes like you're friends with somebody and you're just like yeah we're just together this is what we're the, this is obviously this is obviously what we should be doing um it it happens in life so why can't it have a display in a movie um and it's just like kind of given it's like the its best version of oh like i like you and and you like me and oh my gosh there's something more here that's like it doesn't have to be this big lightning bolt all the time which i think is kind of cute yeah, I, I do wish they kind of maybe planted a little bit more of her maybe yearning to be a mother or <laughs> just the fact that G Law's characters are like, you know, he's like, you know, that this is this is the the new mom to my uh, two daughters. <laughs> yeah, well, so I think that plays out like a lot more realistically for the most part until they make the decision to just do it anyway. Yeah. Um, like that actually is like they are clearly like lightning struck and 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 just all in for each other and there are some like very significant very adult things that are keeping them apart uh and again again time capsule like no one's job in this movie could not be done remotely now <laughs> right <laughs> so the entire drama of of cameron diaz and jude law about like well you know like could we maybe meet in new york every now and then do you come to new york it's like sometimes i don't know it's like, no, you could do your job cutting trailers for stuff in Los Angeles in London. You can just fly back and have meetings or do Zoom. It's fine. <laughs> like, and same thing. Oh, you're a you're a book editor. Just send me the PDF, man. Like I am catching some rays with my daughters on the beach in my new beachside mansion with my amazingly gorgeous A-list actor looking wife who just uh, happens to be a, a, a small business owner. <laughs> like, <laughs> Uh, 
I have to mention the the two little girls are we we were kind of poking fun of accents like early on here, but like is there anything the cute? cutest? They're the cutest kids. They said to, to casting, "Bring me the cutest urchins you can find," <laughs> and they're just like, "Okay, well, you know, we just churched up a couple of you know tubercular orphans, and here you go." <laughs> yeah, I mean, Please it's just not, won't it, you won't you stay? <laughs> it's like any kid with a, a, a British accent is just it automatically will melt her heart. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, there's like again, like Nancy Myers is completely unfair to Cameron Diaz in this movie. It's like you think you can have it all, but did you did you ever consider meeting these two perfect British children who <laughs> love you immediately and like affirm your existence? Like, uh, what do you like? sell your sell your business <laughs> you want to stay at home mom i guess like this is not the message of the movie at all but like that apparently is the only choice once you meet these children i'd quit my job for like to parent those children what are you talking about <laughs> um i i haven't uh, i haven't haven't ever had the chance to go to london and i actually have never spent any time in la uh crazy enough but does, does this movie capture la uh, well, um, that's a very good question. I mean, yes, like all the stuff they talk about, like it is so LA specific. Um, again, I love the, just like this magical realism contrivance line that she throws in. It's like, you know, they say when the Santa Ana wind blows, anything can happen. Like no one says that Jack, like, <laughs> no one says that at all. Uh, but it, it works. Uh, and it also the Santa Ana's are very real and they will blow things in your eyes and it's miserable. Um, and then, uh, yeah, like the, like the sunset block is that beautiful and that posh and that like storied and interesting. Like it is weird when, when Arthur's talking, it was like, well, you know, when I bought my house, uh, th it was the only one here. It's like, no, it wasn't Arthur. You live on the sunset Boulevard. <laughs> There was a movie made about the street you live on. I think more people lived there. So like there are some things that are just like kind of like zhuzhed up to for the story. But yeah, the the tone is good. Like the the most real thing, honestly, is Jack Black getting broken up with by Shannon Sossaman, who was supposed to be on on location in Albuquerque. Uh and she was just in LA the whole time cheating on him. Like that's probably the most LA thing I could possibly <laughs> heard. Like if someone told me that story at a party, I'd be like, hey, man, it happens. I'm telling you now it happens. You, you kind of mentioned some quotes or there are any quotes that stand out to you that you've always enjoyed? Um, well, it's the first introduction of Jack Black. Well, maybe it's not the first, but it's most memorable to me of Jack Black's squeedly doodlies. Yes. And just like the the theme, like Arthur's theme is just so nice. It's like Arthur lives next door to Iris, who's a squeedly ding. Like, so fun. Uh, that all like I I I do Jack Black squeedly do's all the time in my life. Um, I love uh, Dustin Hoffman's brief cameo in the blockbuster. I can't go anywhere. <laughs> uh, that was great. Um, and then the so like the the line that i like actually like i just remember the most because the first time i saw this movie i actually saw i caught it it's probably one of those movies they played on tnt uh and so i like saw it from the halfway point the very first time i saw it because i didn't see it in theaters because i was just like yeah you know, i'm a i'm a cinephile i don't go see romantic comedies <laughs> i'm kind of a big deal uh just got out of college i'm very young and handsome um so I caught it on, on TNT or somewhere and I saw the end where Cameron Diaz starts to cry. And then the movie trailer guy voice comes on and she goes, Amanda, welcome back. I'm like, what happened? Like that doesn't happen anywhere in the movie after the first 10 minutes, 15 minutes. Like the last time it happens, uh, uh, like having seen the movie now, the last time that happens is like, she's on the plane. And then the movie guy voice goes away for the entire rest of the movie until that moment. And I had no idea what was happening. I was like, this movie is garbage. I don't understand what's going like that is 
insane what I just saw. And so the context really does make a difference. <laughs> yeah. I, I know the context is there. I will say that's one of the elements of this movie. I, those trailer moments, I don't really like at all. I don't feel like it fits. You know, like the problem is that, uh, that the, those things exist in a world where Tropic Thunder now exists. And like the fake, like spot on Hollywood movie trailer got completely crushed by Tropic Thunder. Um, the thing I do appreciate about that is like, this was clearly Hollywood's trying to just be like, hey, you you recognize this uh, John Krasinski guy? Do you recognize this Catherine Hahn? We would like for you to in the future. So here they offer one scene of this movie where they don't do anything notable. They don't do anything interesting. They are just there. And if you watch it in hindsight, you're just like, is that Catherine Hahn? Right. <laughs> He's just a normal assistant who like, it's, it's kind of weird to just go and look back and just like, oh yeah, that's kind of how people got developed over time is just like, yeah, you put you put John Krasinski in this one scene, and you're just like, okay, next time he's gonna get two or three, and then the next movie he's gonna lead it. And so, like, that didn't really happen for a longer time because of The Office. But like, this is this is the first introduction really to him. And then like, she uses him like Nancy Myers used him again for It's Complicated, mm-hmm. slightly again in a slightly bigger role, but like not very big. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, kind of dating us again, but yeah, certainly actors it's so much easier to self promote yourself now with everything with social media and stuff. And, but like they more so had to rely on these little, these just little scenes and a big movie to get, you know, to get attention. I will say quick sidebar. I don't think, I don't think social media helps actors at all. Like, I don't think that any actor who has actually climbed the ladder to any amount of success, like social media is such a, like a secondary thing. Like, it's it really is like who like who did you know and how soon did you know them and then you get like the earlier you get in and the earlier you get in with the best people that's how you rise one of my favorite quotes has always been the the boob graze line boob graze <laughs> accidental boob graze <laughs> unintentional yeah uh that scene's always made it made me laugh and uh Wendy and i we always really laugh about that i was reading up on that apparently he accidentally did that to nancy myers like in real life and and uh and he said that and it made her laugh so much that uh, she wanted to put it in the movie which is funny because i think that scene like you almost feel like that's like an improvised moment the way they both play play off of that yeah if you watch him in that moment it looks like he's just kind of like there's no way they're going to use this in the movie like he's just like yeah (laughs) i don't know yeah. Um, as far as favorite uh, favorite scenes, you've referenced uh, a couple of times, and it's one of my favorites too. It's just that the blockbuster scene, and uh, apparently, I mean, it's from IMDb. I don't know how real it is, but apparently, Dustin Hoffman like kind of wandered, wandered into the set, and Nancy Myers threw him in, at, you know, in that moment. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but um, also, I mean, I think the scene of when uh, Amanda discovers. Uh, I keep forgetting Jude Law's character's name. That's that's what's funny, Graham. It's so funny. It's like these all these actors. I'm so. I mean, there is no reason to ever bring up their character names. This movie, they are <laughs> not characters. This is just I want to watch Cameron Diaz and Jude Law make out, and I want to watch Kate Winslet and Jack Black be fun people together. Right. Right. Like, yeah. Like until you mention their names, I've seen this movie a dozen times. And I could not tell you, gun to my head, what anybody's name is in this movie, other than what the real life name is. Right. Uh, uh, but when uh, when she finally discovers that he has kids, and the whole dinner table scene, and Mister Napkinhead, and you know, then the you know nighttime where they're all underneath the tent. I just, I really think that's a real uh, well played out scene. And oh, it's lovely. Amanda, you're gonna love this. It's so funny. I mean, you're you're full of your chair. It's so funny. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God, the best adapted head. Hello, children. Who's this? Who's this? Amanda. And why has she got that funny accent? Amanda. Yes, but where's she from? I mean, I remember seeing it the first time, and then you know he's on the phone. And then you realize the two girls he's talking to is, is his daughters. Those phones, though, <laughs> it's, it's bad. That's like my one note, Nancy. One note. If I had one note, Nancy, uh, 
your daughters each have individual cell phones with individual cell phone numbers and the oldest one is seven. (laughs) I don't think so. I don't think you're getting phone calls from your child's name and then your other child's name. And like the other one's like five. She doesn't have a cell phone. I'm sorry. That's insane. (laughs) um i also i think any scene with iris and arthur is wonderful i think that's uh kind of a i mean i'm sure there's been different scenes and you know pairing so to speak but i really like that relationship there and um especially the ceremony at the end and how that all plays out of him that that's a fantastic scene i think it's it's wonderful and i like that love letter to the movies is everything that i love about this film in particular i think it's so smart to use eli wallach um i actually just recently watched magnificent seven for the first time uh and he's the bad guy in it I need to, I need to watch that again. Uh, you got to do a rewatch of it because he is so good. Like every other bad guy in in every other western is like just a scene chewer and just like I am a mustache twisting evil guy like and the best version obviously is Curly Bill from Tombstone. But like if you pull back Curly Bill from Tombstone and made him an actual like real person and not an arch villain archetype, you get Eli Wallach in The Magnificent 7. He's just the leader of a group of bad men and he's in charge and he has to feed them. So he's doing what he has to do to like, to like, and it, you know, he's all bad things, but like, he's only there doing these bad things because he's like, I got to feed my men to do the thing that we're doing. Mm-hmm. Like that's it. That's his entire character motivation. And Eli Wallet brings so much realism and truth to this villain. It's incredible. And so to watch a guy who has been in one of the greatest movies of all time, be in this movie and talk about the way things were and talk about these nostalgic, like like Hollywood used to matter in this way that was like mystifying to people. It was a, a religious experience for a lot of people. I love that element to this movie. And I think that that's why it works in this, like, like there's like this thread of magical realism all throughout the film. That's never quite like acknowledged by any of the characters involved. But if you're watching and listening to it, you like it starts just like, oh, it's Hollywood. Like these people are living in a Hollywood story. So of course it's predictable. Of course there's a formula to it because it's kind of it's the liturgy. It's the story that we all came here to see. It's something we know, but we're being presented to something in a new way. Uh, so that's again, like those Arthur scenes in particular, him talking about screenwriting and the craft and like all the people. And it's like, oh, Cary Grant was from uh was from Surrey. How'd you know that? Well, they told me one time. <laughs> Movie musings. Have you ever shed a tear? Have I ever shed a tear? Are you kidding me? Yes. The, the first thing that comes to mind, like movie-wise when I cry, is absolutely Harry Bailey at the end of It's a Wonderful Life. The thing I, I again, it's another one of those movies you watch a hundred times or you don't watch while it's on a hundred times because it's on every year. Uh, but if you go back and watch It's a Wonderful Life, the day that George Bailey has this horrible day, it's supposed to be the homecoming of his war hero brother who just got the National, like the Congressional Medal of Honor. And there's supposed to be this big, huge to do about Harry Bailey. And all this attention shifts to his, like his brother who stayed home and like did the right thing all the time. And like everybody in town shifts their attention to take care of George including Harry who takes a jet in to, to be with his brother. And he says to my big brother, George, the richest man in town. And every time I'm just like, yeah. And I'm just like, Oh, I'm a puddle every single time. Yeah. I, I, I might catch some flack for this, but I, well, before I go into that, I don't know if I even should open myself uh, up to that. Be controversial. That's how the podcasts get the <laughs> listeners. That's how you get the, the the likes and the retweets. Well, I have always been someone that can uh, I I can be very uh, cynical in nature, but I mean the right like you know Christmas commercial. I mean, could I, I can easily get tears in my eyes. Like I love survival. So much flack for this. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm not. I haven't gone into that territory. But like, I love Survivor. Anytime they do family reunions or that sort of thing, um, I, I can be a little cynical about the uh, 
the military families that like surprise their loved ones when they come Ooh. home because yeah. because it becomes so like it, it's become such a thing now that uh you know you're like okay you know kind of who is this for but it still makes me In, like tear up every emotions, time instant crying and i'm also a little bit mad I'm just like that's manipulative don't, don't, show, <laughs> yeah. me, don't show me this incredibly private moment right this family. like this is not for me i shouldn't be watching this stop it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so anyway I, I might people might say hey how dare you with that but uh anyway not that not them surprising their families but and no, maybe that, that we are made to watch it I, yeah I, yeah at at the uh oklahoma city thunder game kind of like you know is this the moment to, <laughs> to, to do this but anyway. <laughs> um so have you ever taken a spontaneous vacation um yeah, kind of. I'm actually doing one right now. So my wife and I are going to go visit her uh, her family in the Bronx because uh, her brother hasn't met our baby yet. So like last month, we're just like, we're going. Uh, and we planned this whole road trip. So we're going to be driving from uh, Texas to New York and then uh, staying there for like a month and then coming back. Oh, cool. Well, that'd yeah. be cool. Uh, yeah, yeah. At, least you're, at least you're getting to spend some time. You know, that's a that's a long road trip. So long, well, I mean, we're going to stop a lot along the way. Like it's, that's the other thing is just like, we're going to, I'm going to get to see friends from high school and uh, people who moved away from Los Angeles. Like it's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. That'll be awesome. Yeah. Uh, so it's talked a lot about in this movie, but uh, what's one of your favorite movie scores? Ooh, that is such a good question. Um, I think it's a, a little bit of a cop out because it's in the movie, uh, but Last of the Mohicans is yeah. impeccable. Um, if you were ever looking for like focus music, the uh, the Daft Punk score to Tron Legacy is amazing. Okay, like, it will just like dial you in to like if you have to write or if you have to study or anything like Daft Punk score Tron Legacy, um, and then gosh, there's is there any other ones that like really get to me? um yeah i think just those yeah yeah um i i have to throw it it might be a cliche pick but jurassic park that oh. theme like has always like stuck in my brain <laughs> so i've always and i remember always i really liked the braveheart soundtrack for some reason uh i think it's got some good music in there but if you ever listen to that soundtrack i think it features a lot of bagpipes as well which isn't the most comforting sound you can ever no. listen to <laughs> no it's uh, yeah that that one i like you know it it fits to its moment for sure but i'd, I'd never take that one out of context i don't think <laughs> rom-com rankings the first category romantic chemistry between the leads. So I will say this movie is a little bit different because there it's clearly uh, two different, you know, couples in this stance. So I, I guess this ranking will have to be maybe kind of a culmination uh, uh, of the two. So from like one heart being lowest, five heart being the highest, what would, what would you give the romantic chemistry in this movie? Um, I'd have to say like a three and a half because okay. like Jude Law and Cameron Diaz are a four uh like they're not all the way there i don't think uh there's there's obviously better uh like more excellent examples of great chemistry um and then like yeah it kind of like it suffers a little bit between kate winslet and jack black because it is pure friendship until he asks her out on a date so uh i'd say like that's a that's a three yeah <laughs> Yeah, my overall ranking was a, a three, <laughs> kind of touching on what we did a little bit. Like, I, I think uh, Amanda and Graham are really good in the long run for each other, but how they get there so fast, I'm you know a little confounded by a little bit. See, that's the chemistry. That's 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 where the chemistry actually <laughs> yeah. is, like makes it all make sense. Yeah, but uh, I, I think you hit it. I, I think. Kate Winslet and Jack Black, their characters. I, I'm with you. I think they're super cute in this movie, but kind of thinking, and I don't even think this movie is trying to necessarily set them up as, you know, people that will end up with each other. Maybe people will kind of, you know, argue with me on that one, but I think they're more so like they're for, they're, there for each other to both get them past a hump and i could see them maybe a couple going on a couple of dates and going you yeah, know this was fun but yeah i mean I'm, if their first date wasn't a transatlantic flight to london at new year's to meet her entire family i would say you're you may have a point 
(laughs) Yeah. These two people clearly are the type of people who are so desperate to be in a relationship with each other that have not really done the introspection and the work to realize that they need to be okay on their own for a little while. Uh, They are absolutely going to get together. And I can only pray that they see a couples therapist. Uh, but they were absolutely set up to to be together by this movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. This is a little off topic, but I have to say, I mean, I've always been a huge Jack Black fan and I, I think it's fair to say for the most part in his like everyday demeanor, he he's pretty un, unkept. Uh, I guess you could say, usually, you know, scraggly beards, <laughs> but like he's a handsome guy in this movie. Well, as somebody who gets that he looks like Jack Black a lot, I appreciate that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, he's like he really is like the like the decent chap kind of male lead. Like uh, again, like we kind of coming back to like we're celebrating the nice boys in this one of just like yeah, no, they need a win. They're actually like really good people. Like compare them to Edward Burns, uh, who is just a a, a cheating dog. <laughs> uh, which by the way, before we close out, like I do need to, I need to say like one of the, again, another great writing thing that Nancy Myers does in this movie is she puts the truth and the exposition in the mouth of the bad guy. Mm-hmm. And so all of the things that we learn about Cameron Diaz's character that like are her actual real issues that have gotten in the way of her real life relationships come to us from this guy who has cheated on her. So like he is, he is trash. He is filth. He should, you know, he deserves to get kicked out, but he does not tell one other lie other than that big one. Like everything else he says is the absolute truth. And so I love that device when you're just like, Oh, I hate this guy. And everything he says is absolutely accurate. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, The second category I have is the best friend. So there's usually a best friend component here. Once again, this movie is kind of a little tricky on this, but I, I easily pin Arthur into this category because best friend of all time. He's yeah. (laughs) If you're going to have one best friend in a rom-com, you might as well have an Oscar winning screenwriter legend. (laughs) <laughs> just go up and adopt you and just decide to look out for your well-being. Like, <laughs> although in real life, you don't want a degenerate screenwriter anywhere near your romantic life, but. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll be, I'll just go ahead and say it. I, I gave him five hearts. I think he, uh, he, he's absolutely wonderful in this movie. A hundred percent. And then, you know, on the other side of the coin, like the, the best friend characters has to go to the girls uh like they're the ones who are just like rooting for them to mm-hmm. get together they're the ones who are also saying like true things and they're like putting all these little seeds out there for the like these nuggets of 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 wisdom for the main characters to chew on which is the entire purpose of a best friend in these movies so like the little girls on that side uh, i mean can you give 10 hearts because there's two of them they they are adorable and unassailable (laughs) of course uh we talked about a movie score so the third category i have is the soundtrack uh and this one if you went and bought the soundtrack i think it would be mainly the score from hans zimmer uh and so but uh somebody great thing about spotify somebody compiled a playlist that was i mean it was literal like of the movie you know, the score than the song. And so the actual soundtrack kind of was a mixture of his score with uh, a lot of it seemed to kind of be a, a Motown type of uh, music. There's some, well, yeah, it's like all the trailer songs. Yeah, 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 exactly. But yeah. uh, I don't know if you had a chance to listen uh, to the soundtrack. Uh, I didn't know how you would rank it. I mean, the one thing that I remember is Arthur's theme and that sticks like, yeah, this theme is just like, the thing that really helps is that they just really break it down inside the movie. It's just like, it sounds like Arthur. It sounds like that character. And so to just so clearly see that attachment of, uh, of sound and image, like it's just, again, I think there's some, uh, that this movie, in addition to being entertaining, it it teaches you a lot about filmmaking Uh, and, and Arthur's theme. It's, yeah, like I'm not going to give it a five because, of course, there's better ones, but it sticks. It's really good. It's fun and it's light. Uh, yeah, it's a four. 
Yep. That's why I gave the soundtrack as well. Um, listening to it, um, it, it's a beautiful, I mean, it's Hans Zimmer. He's done Gladiator, Pirates of the Caribbean, Lion King. I mean, the range of this man. Yeah, it's incredible. And uh, to me, it was a soundtrack that if I was, if I was writing or, um, you know, trying you to just, do something creative. You typing away at a typewriter. Yeah. 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 yeah this, is, this is good stuff. Yeah. But I will say when I listened to the soundtrack was uh, I'm getting uh, ready for a half marathon. So I listened to this. I did my last long run this past weekend and I, I use it as a chance to listen to the soundtrack. The soundtrack is not a good one to run to. I will say because no. <laughs> definitely in the moments of when the movie gets sad, it, the score it's, is yeah. very sad. You have on your run. Your, yeah. your heart is broken now. Stop yeah. it. Yeah. So as I was run, running, I was like, when is Arthur's theme coming? When is it coming? I need it right now. <laughs> I will say, okay. On the subject of running though, uh, I do have to mention like, again, like taking tropes and reversing them. We got a reverse airport run where like <laughs> where Cameron Diaz is on her way to the airport and she gets out of the car and runs the opposite direction <laughs> uh, to find Graham just sobbing <laughs> in, his, in his kitchen. And well, like, that, that's a perfect segue into my fourth category, which is the chase scene or the declaration of love. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, that that's, it is kind of interesting, but it is funny. Um, I mean, obviously it's intentional, but um, it really takes her a long time to get back to that cabin. <laughs> that is such a drawn out scene. Like it is, like, <laughs> I, I, as much as, as much as I like was enthusiastic about it, just thinking about it, like watching it is a bit of a chore. <laughs> uh, it's just like, like watching Cameron Diaz run, like why are you wearing heels anyway uh, like what like unnecessary uh, and also like, like plot hole the guy wouldn't turn around uh, in the lane and yet he was perfectly able to get to the front door to pick her up same <laughs> driver uh, and he clearly has not changed as a character like he doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's like you know what I, I think I'll go the extra mile this time <laughs> No, yeah yeah so how, how would how would you rank this and i i don't know if there's really a big declaration of love between jack black and kate winslet i mean he asked her out but um, again it is so low-key it's like hey what are you doing new year's eve <laughs> like, i don't have i'm going back to london oh i've never been to london like First of all, again, if that happened in real life, put yourself in real life situation. You met this guy four days ago. And he's just like, you know, what if I just bought a plane ticket and followed you back to your life? What do you think about that? Like, he didn't run. He's a murderer. The only reason it works is because it's a movie and Arthur signed off on him. Like, Right, yeah. Again, I think that's why you need an Arthur. It's just like, ah, I like these two kids together. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, he's basically the grandparent that gives the blessing, you know, uh, basically. But yeah, I, I gave it, I gave it three hearts. Like it, it does play into the trope of the actual, you know, you know, there's somebody literally running to the other person. Yeah. Uh, but the way the trailer voice comes in, we've talked about that. Um, okay. And, and on that, like, so I'm going to give it two stars because okay. of that. Like, so this is, this is, it's still one of my favorite parts because it was so jarring the very first time I saw it. But now knowing that moment, the movie guy voice doesn't bother me, but the obvious, like Cameron Diaz absolutely doesn't know how to cry on camera, which is totally fine. It's totally acceptable. No, like not as many actors can do it as you would think. But the the way that they shot it, where it's just like her head is straight back, and then she comes forward, and tears just come straight down her face. There's <laughs> like they just absolutely said, "Okay, hold," and they just put an entire bottle of of, of tears in her eye, and just okay, hold it, hold it, and then just come on action, just come forward. <laughs> just like no, that does not work to, that's not the breakthrough that you think it is it's like i know the whole the whole point of your character is that you don't cry ever since your parents got divorced but no cameron that was bad <laughs> and then i could just see Jude law really just being like just give me a moment give me a moment <laughs> i think about something very sad like uh, i don't know not getting a date uh, i don't like 
<laughs> what is what actually what that's a good thought exercise what makes jude law sad like oh he's man had a very charmed life that i can tell but uh, i did like an accidental deep dive into his career uh just because i started watching um the uh, midnight in the garden of good and evil oh okay came out in 97 98 something like that uh but he plays the the young the young gay hustler in savannah uh-huh. georgia and it's you know it's a it's a start it's uh it's again <laughs> it's a role where he's in like two scenes and it's like hey this guy's gonna be big someday can you do a southern accent it's like i believe i can <laughs> it's it's rough oh I, I have to check that out now <laughs> um well and the the last category i have is the rewatchability of this film uh how, how would you rank it Five. I mean, I'll, I wa- I will watch it every year for the rest of my life. I think just like that's our Christmas movie. Like it's two weeks out from Christmas. Like we're going to watch that. We're going to watch just friends. And at some point I'm going to force my wife to watch. It's a wonderful life. So. Okay. Yeah. I, so I really struggle with this and especially talking to you. Like um, I, I do really like this movie. I, and it has come up on holidays. I, I gave it, I give it three and a half just because I do think the length of it uh, is a, li- a little taxing for me, uh, especially we, w- I think maybe I was more aware. We, like I mentioned, we sh- showed it to Hallie and um, when it was over, we asked her if she liked it and she's like, yeah, uh, it was really long. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, it, there, it does. T- it does take its time, but yeah. I feel like if you cut out the, like the movie trailer scene, and uh-huh. the uh like the setting up the plot of like iris and amanda like meeting online then like you you take easily like 10 minutes out of the movie <laughs> yeah and it's much tighter yeah because uh, i mean yeah like imagine like if this movie was made today i mean so much would have to change obviously but like if nothing else was different other than we don't really care about movie trailers anymore uh and or like they're all done in-house at marvel uh and the the airbnb exists you're just like hey i'm really looking forward like i love your house in the cotswolds it's exactly what i need it's a great area because i checked it out on on google maps like the every like great just cut to the chase we just know that you're going there and we know that she's coming here because that's the weird website you chose to do instead of airbnb like we we are familiar enough we're well versed in how things work in that sphere we don't need a five minute conversation. You just like, hmm, hmm, how do I? Are there any men there? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we know where you're going. We know why she's going. Like, stop. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I, I would say, even though there are some a little bit of comedic elements in, in this, it's a pretty serious movie. It's going more for the drama than it is for the comedy. So I think for I think you have to be in a definitely in a mood for this one and around the christmas time is a good time to watch it when you have a little more time fireplace is going you know it you know like you mentioned comfort food but as far as just like oh i'm gonna pop on the holiday i I don't really do that very often so uh i i do agree on a certain point like the drama is there i think the drama really is all brought by kate winslet uh who is just like really working through her relationship issues i feel like I, I feel like if there's one thing i regret about this conversation that we haven't talked enough about iris and we haven't talked enough about kate winslet in this movie because she again like i think i said at the beginning she blows everyone else out of the water she is in a completely different movie from everyone else because this is real life to her like she is life and death in love with this awful awful man who is played by an amazing what rufus sewell i think is the, yeah 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 like who is just the most perfect villain, just oh, like yeah. completely full of himself, writer. It's like, could you read my book? I'm just so helpless, please. <laughs> like that, like no no man who is as tall and good looking as him, like should be that pathetic. And and yet it works. Like it's mm-hmm. it's very it's it's so oh, it's so cringeworthy to watch. I love it. Uh, and for her to just like process that relationship, like the, the first, the opening scene at the Christmas party is devastating and funny at the same time. 
Um, yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, like about it being more like a, being somewhat dramatic, but I think ultimately it's, it's pure comedy because her situation is so, it's so laughable. Like she treats it like drama, which any good comedian will do, but it's so fun. It's like, why you feel so bad for this asshat? Like what? No, you're so like, you know, and, and it immediately makes you your, her, her best friend. It's like, no, I, I like, I'm not done with you. I like, I actually want you to do well. I want you to realize that you're perfect and you're beautiful and you're going to just do so much better once you get over this guy. Uh, and so like, that's like, if there's drama, if there's stakes, it's that for her, but like watching her t- treat it so seriously is for me, what makes it so funny is just like, yeah, like that is absolutely where people come from in their life. They make this 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 really ultimately small thing life and death because that's all they think that they're capable of. And so I like I, I again I I like I like the movie for that reason. Just like, oh, her realizing that she's worth, you know, she's worth the mansion. Right, right. I, I do <laughs> you, you talking through that. It kind of made me think a little bit. I do like how Iris, even though what was this a two week span or whatever? I think it's and, one week. I think it's like one <laughs> week around Christmas. She essentially seems like she like owns LA in this week's span. Like I can see her walking down the street and everybody's like, Hey Iris, oh hey, how's it going? Again, that's the like the the one other plot hole, and like I forgive it immediately because it has to do with like making Arthur ready for his, you know, his uh, big day. Right. But like she has a whole Rocky training montage with this old, old man who has to use a walker. And she's like, I'm going to make it so you don't use that walker when you get to the, the so you're confident. And it's like, lady, if that was the real time frame you had and you somehow convinced him that that was real, we get to like Arthur's and he just like girds himself up for the, the, the stairs and he takes one step and he falls and he breaks his hip and you've murdered this man. <laughs> that's what would really happen. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, that condensed time frame of it just being a week vacation and somehow she fits all that in. Like that's the other thing about this movie. I'm just like, okay, you're really pushing some stuff. Yeah. They're like, uh, maybe you should, uh, maybe think about a different profession. Uh, maybe you should go into physical therapy because you have worked wonders with Arthur. You like, you are a miracle worker. (laughs) Is there anything you, you, you would like to recommend to our listeners out there? Um, so in the nature of uh, great uh, rom-coms that are, are underrated rom-coms from the same time period, um, I don't know if you've talked about or are going to talk about Just Friends, but you absolutely should watch Just Friends if you haven't seen it. Um, it's another imperfect movie, I would say, uh, especially uh, for themes that do not hold up at all anymore, but it is still one of my favorites. I watch it every year. Um, let's see. Uh, this is super random, but I like, I've never watched a season of survivor until right now I'm watching survivor for the first time. And it is blowing my mind. How this, this season, this season, because my brother just started watching it. So <laughs> I'm watching survival. And it's like the machinations, the machinations. These people oh. are just so devious. It's fantastic. Oh, that's funny. I'm I'm a huge Survivor fan, so I've seen all the seasons. So it's crazy that this is like your first experience. Well, a little bit about me. When I was in high school, the very first season of Survivor, right before it came out, I went to youth camp and I decided to take a pledge that no one asked me to take that like, I was just like, you know what? This is my devotion. I'm going to give up watching TV because I was a huge, like huge indoor kid, watch TV all the time. So I went the entire summer and didn't watch a bit of television. And that was the year that Survivor premiered and blew up and everyone was talking about it. And like my TV fast was done right before the finale. So I just like watched the the finale of it. And I was just like, this is dumb. Like, I don't understand what any of you guys like about this show. And then I never watched it until just now. I'm just like, oh, gotcha. I've got so much to catch up on. Yeah, I I can point you towards uh, some great seasons if you you truly want to rewatch uh, some of them. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that you said that because yes, at, during that time Survivor was so big 
especially if you attended church, but any kind of camp, uh, how many camps like stole the survivor logo or made uh, their theme around that show? <laughs> I mean, how many, how many like people who went on to work on survivor got all of their puzzles from youth camp though? Like, <laughs> right. Like every, every episode of survivor is like, this is just beach camp from 1995. What's like, it's with a budget is the difference. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my recommendation, and I'm, I'm curious is, uh, if you've watched this, I, I promise you, I didn't uh, write this down because you were on the show, but uh, one of my favorite uh, TV shows, Barry just started its fourth season and its last season with Bill Hader. Have you seen that on HBO max? I love Barry. I I've only okay. seen season two though, because I went through a period where I didn't have HBO max for a while. So oh, um, gotcha. I need to catch up on season three and four. Um, it is the most harrowing show I've ever seen in my entire life. Because again, like talk about something that's true. Los Angeles, those acting classes, like I worked at an acting studio for 10 years and I taught classes and like Henry Winkler is a scary, scary man in that show. <laughs> and it is just like please tell me that that's not what i come off as as, a, as an acting teacher uh, <laughs> but those acting classes i mean especially when you're new to la when you're new to acting on film and you're just like well you got i gotta get into a class that's what you're supposed to do and so like the very first class you take you're just like well it's a class in hollywood so they must be telling me the truth and everyone around me is in the same boat so you bond with these really disparate people and some of them are phenomenal and some of them are toxic and some of them are unwell and some of them are like going to be future superstars and there's just no telling which is which until several months in <laughs> yeah i the show i always front it with it, especially as it's gone on and I, I won't ruin anything for you i mean it always has been a dark comedy uh i said i will say it started off more comedy in as it's progressed, it's leaned more into the darker side than the comedy side, but um, it's an amazing show. And I haven't, I've only watched the first episode so far of this last season, but that's my recommendation. Uh, I think people could quickly uh, binge them and it's, it's a, it's a great, great show. <laughs> oh, uh, one more recommendation. Uh, yeah. Slow horses on Apple TV. Oh yeah. I need to, I, I've heard good things about that show. It's, it's fun. It's a good spy show. It's like, it's very different from your, your usual like spy fair. Uh, it's just a bunch of like screw ups and underdogs who are like just shoved to the side uh, so that the, like the real intelligence officers can get to their, their work. And it just follows these guys uh, who are just kind of like drawn into the seedier side of like British intelligence Uh to be used as pawns and patsies and they kind of like start to figure out that's what they're being used for and they try and fight against it. So it's very fun to watch. Well, uh, next week we will be traveling back to Beverly Hills in the early nineties to talk about the classic clueless. Uh, we've been covering a lot of movies towards the bottom of the list. Uh, the holiday was number 16, but uh, I thought it was time to analyze a true favorite for a lot of people. And it's at number four on the list, which is, Pretty, pretty high up there. So Bring me back to talk about clueless, man. I, oh man, <laughs> I know we, we, we have to bring you back. <laughs> Definitely had to talk about some of these movies. Uh, but, um, as always check out moviesarelife.com for episodes, reviews, and more. If you listen to us on Spotify, make sure to pay attention to our polls and questions on the episode page. I always like to kind of hear from our fans and see what they think about the movies that we're covering. And I want to, I want to thank you for taking the time to come on and do this. It's, it, I never thought the holiday would bring us back together uh, 15 years later, but you know, it's the power of movies <laughs> and the power of technology, right? Like the fact that we can connect from long distances. <laughs> Uh, and, and well, if you'll excuse me, I, I do need to go try out your uh, your water slide. <laughs> oh yeah, please please do. <laughs> right, don't don't wreck my my Cotswolds uh, uh, cottage though. Okay, <laughs> I won't I won't bump my head on the low ceilings. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> well, uh, thanks, man. I appreciate it. It was a, it was a pleasure.